Hello and welcome to episode 115 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now as you know, if you've listened to Mark and Me before, I created a project last year called The Voice Behind the Artists. I sat down and I thought to myself, I wanted to take the podcast in a new direction. I've spoken to musicians, I've spoken to bands, I've spoken to film directors and actors, but I wanted to speak to some artists. I'm a huge movies fan and I absolutely adore film art. I love graphic novels, so I thought let's try and do a project called The Voice Behind the Artist, which will give me a chance to speak to some of my favourite artists in the country. I was lucky enough to speak to people like Matt Ferguson, the one and only Paul Shipper, and many more. And this created five episode specials which I released to you guys. And the response was absolutely massive. It was incredible and introduced a whole new audience to Mark and me. This led to me being here today to give you a brand new series of The Voice Behind the Artists. And to launch today's second season is the one and only Dolly. Now this artist is absolutely amazing. Some of his artwork you'll recognise, especially his Spider-Man work, is just absolutely flawless. So to have the opportunity to sit down with him and talk all about his passion projects growing up, how he got into art, and his most recent work on some of the films like Batman Begins and Jaws, which you know I'd love to talk about, and Star Wars was a dream come true. So what I'm going to do now is get straight to the interview. So here's me and Dolly talking all things art. So, Dolly, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure. First of all, what I want to do is for the listeners out there today that might have tuned in for the first time or someone that hasn't discovered you as an artist yet, I want to take it back right to maybe your childhood or when you were first starting out, maybe at education. And can you remember the point when you really fell in love with pieces of art and thought, this is something that I want to do? Um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things over the years, you kind of look back and try to piece together where it all kind of started. And there's definite like milestones that I can say, like brought this whole journey together. Um, I think the earliest memories is me being about between six and eight. Um, my parents, um, had a like corner shop and part of that shop was, um, they used to rent out videos as well. Um, so being the, being the youngest child and having two older brothers and sharing a bedroom, they used to plaster the walls with movie posters that was basically every inch of, of the walls were covered with movie posters and me being the youngest, not being always allowed to watch certain films. Um, I used to like look at the posters and kind of make up my own stories. So at the age of around eight, I remember this quite vividly. It's like on one wall I had um, Back to the Future poster and the other walls I had um, Indiana Jones, um, Temple of Doom. There was um, Please Academy. Um, the Hills Have Eyes, Nightmare on Elm Street. So that was really my childhood of and of art in a sense. Um, I used to sit on the bed and like my my nose would be like an inch away from the poster, and I used to like study every brush stroke that was there. And it's like I quickly learned like this was actually you know a painted poster and not just photography in a lot yeah. of cases. Um, and it's one of those first like things was like I'd be there kind of reverse engineering it. In my head, it's like, how how was all this put together? Still being like eight years old. And all I ever did at that age was draw, to be honest. Um, And the funniest thing I still remember is like realizing like Drew Struzan's signature was on two of those posters. Yeah. And in my head, it was like, how are those two posters connected? It was, I didn't necessarily piece together that 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 was the artist's signature. But it was was on Temple of Doom and it was on um, Back to the Future. And it's like, okay, those films must have a connection. And I was reading the... um, the credit blocks trying to piece it together, not realizing directly at that point, it's, it's the artist's signature. Um, but yeah, so that was like the, I think a real like interesting starting point because the art that I knew was of film at that age and everything I drew was film orientated. I remember drawing a lot of like Rambo pieces and so forth at the age of eight. And I used to like take that character and dress him up differently. So it'd be like a rabbit, but the rabbit is Rambo. So it was like... Nice making up my own characters but yeah everything was kind of very much heavily influenced by film yeah it was a fun thing as like as children you know you pick up habits and so forth and drawing and being creative was very much my thing um yeah but then I didn't really I didn't really follow it on like I was always good at art in the sense from junior school and high school but then for for GCSEs I didn't take art um I took like practical subjects from like geography um, I did do um, design technology and so forth, but like art wasn't like necessarily, okay, here's a career goal. And my parents um, being 
like first generation immigrants um they they very much instilled a sense of like you know go for a more practical subject there yeah. was no like there was no precursor in a sense for like hey this is how you make make a life in art or you know in the creative field so i totally understand it from that point of view they want the best for their son and to have a very you know um like uh, work in a field that's definitely going to you know get you get you paid and get, you know have progression yeah. and they they didn't, didn't necessarily see that in say the art world because no one you know prior to that had done anything like that so that was the the kind of steer from that um so i did my GCSEs and it was like okay did okay didn't do greatly to be honest um then i went back to art so for for a levels i i did art and design i did a foundation and so forth and that's where like it really flourished and i got to do everything i wanted from photography to graphic design and everything in between um but then i studied multimedia design and ne- never really pushed it any further than that it, it wasn't necessarily i was looking for a job in art or illustration but graphic design was really a passion at that point um and then for 15 i would say 15 to 18 years my career has been in web design yeah and 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 then at a certain point where it's like i'm doing well um, and everything's kind of coming together. I've, I've become like a senior in the company and so forth. Um, and then I wanted to do something outside of that that was just for me. And I was like, I haven't drawn, in all honesty, at that point, probably for 15 to 12 years. Not at all. Like, there's, of course, there's things I'm designing, but I'm not yeah. drawing anything in, in the normal traditional sense. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll start this up as a thing just for me, you know, just a reward for me in a sense. I, I really love it and have a passion for it. So I think it was 2012, I started drawing again for fun, um, you know, outside of work, evenings and weekends. Um, and the, the main goal really was, you know, not having drawn for so long was just to let's get good. Let's like revisit this, you know, this um, skill that I had and let's like, you know, brush off the cobwebs and you know, get better at it. You were just talking then about your parents and when you're at school now, obviously uh, we've all been there me myself it's kind of that whole look son you need to get a proper job you need to do a proper education because you're never going to make it as a guitarist or a singer or an artist you know it's, it's one of those kind of dreams but you then said that when you went to college you went down the whole route of doing graphic design and art so what was it that changed do you think did you have the backing of your parents at that age when you went to college or was it trying to convince them or was it just like well I didn't do very well in my GCSEs so allow me to at least try something I'm passionate about? Yeah, I think after, after the GCSEs and it's like when, you, when you're a kid at that age, that's like, feels like the end of the world. Um, yeah. Even though you look back now, it's, it, you know, it, it's a small milestone. Um, they always knew I was a creative person. You know, they knew, you know, he, he's always drawing, he's always doing something. And my dad had, had a small conversation with me. It was at that point of like choosing new subjects. It was like, where can you do? He goes, have you got enough grades that you can carry on studying? I go, yeah you know, but this is the field, you know, this is the, the, the subjects I want to take. And he, and he basically just sat down and said, is, is there a career in this? Can, will you be getting paid and so forth? And I pretty much, yeah, dad, you know, there's a full on career that, you know, there, there's progression and so forth because that's fine then go for it. Um, and that for me was enough encouragement from, from my dad to like, okay, I can really pursue this. Um, and I remember one of the first projects that I did while I was like doing my levels and so forth was like a photography project. And I did a photo montage um scene and i bought it home and it's like oh dad here look this is where i worked on today and it's like great he goes great and then he goes can i keep this um and i go yeah sure and it's the first like real encouragement for my dad from that point of view and it's like he, he took it with him and like showed his friends and so forth so it wasn't like this it, a massive gesture but for me it meant everything um, yeah. that my dad approved of what it was and he wanted to show it off um, so it's small things like that was just like that was enough of a push for me it's like I'm doing the right things and because of that my grades were just like shot up in comparison because it was something I'm, I'm really interested in yeah and the passion was behind it yeah yeah so then you just said you were doing graphic design and not really drawing but then you were just drawing for fun um, when was it that you then got that kind of that I suppose that feeling inside or that kind of idea of do you know what I want to take this and not just do graphic design i want to do my own art i want to draw i want to make something of this um this still very much in the early days i'm still like in a sense learning in a sense um so 2012 2013 was the point where i was like okay i can i can draw a little bit better than i was yesterday um but i want to combine another passion which was which was film and cinema so i set myself the task being like the designer side i set myself a brief and let's start let's draw a movie poster and I think it was really the height of like the minimalist poster movement. Everyone wanted like a minimalist poster, like yeah, 
less is more sort of attitude to it. And, and I started doing a couple and I, I shared them in a sense on a blog point of view and like on Facebook and it's like, Hey, got, you know, half a dozen likes. And that for me was enough at that point was like, okay, people are liking these. Let's, let's draw more of these. Um, so it used to be like, Hey, there's a new trailer out or let's, re- let's revisit films from yesteryear and like start putting together a story, which is like more personal to me and personal to a person that's watched the film. Yeah. And then you're looking for like a teaser pro- poster, which is kind of like tries to sum up the whole film in one, one, one image. Um, so I started doing that and started sharing my work online and then, um, just through you know the gift of social media and so forth, they started getting picked up by design blogs, and these were like a lot of the blogs I used to read on, on a daily basis. Being a designer, um, and that just once again, it's it's that reassurance, like, hey, I'm doing something, and people are appreciating it. Let's do more of this. Um, and I just carried on doing it from that point of view, all for fun. Just you know, the, I had a passion for it, so let's start producing art and start doing these um, fan art movie posters. So at this point, I remember seeing some of yours for like um, Batman Begins, Lord of the Rings, Guardians of the Galaxy, where you've done your own take and spin on those posters. Yeah. When was it you started to see a massive kind of not just six likes and it getting quite, you know, full on and the response was growing at quite a rate? Because now obviously you're getting more than six likes and your social medias are jumping up massively and you're really making a name for yourself. Is it only the last few years? Um, I got like while I was still doing it in a sense independently and doing the fun, I got contacted by a studio exec yeah. and they said, Hey, I've been following your work and we really love what you're doing. Would you like to do a poster for a new film that's about to come out? Um, initially I thought, okay, this is some sort of prank or joke. My friends are playing on me. So I did like, I jumped onto LinkedIn just to check who the person was. And yeah. Um, I remember quite vividly, this was like Saturday morning on the weekend. So they obviously sent it, you know, Friday late from the U S the email. Um, so I contacted him back, had a conversation, and it turns out that the film was Spring Breakers. Um, wow. And I, over, over, I'd say, a two-week period with a bit of back and forth from conversation, um, I designed my first official movie poster for him. Um, and, and it wasn't paid heavily or anything. There was a massive payment to it, but they said, hey, we would like what you do, so you have like more or less freedom in, from a creative point of view. You can do what you like, you know. Um, there was no likeness in anything else. And to be honest, that worked in my favor because even though I've only been drawing for a little while again, it's like I wasn't confident enough to draw people in a sense yeah. from a likeness point of view. So a lot of my early work definitely has no likeness at all just because, to be honest, I wasn't good enough to draw people, I feel. Um, so that was the first thing I did. And then it was like, it was they, they credited me as an artist. It was on up on IMDb and everything else. And I think that's where a lot more people noticed my work. That was kind of my big break from that point yeah. of view. Um, and then it's like, I got contact, contacted by um, the poster posse and they said, hey, we're a collective of just artists and we, we produce stuff for fun, but we have had interest from studios. So would you like to join? I said, yeah, sure. You know, still very happy in my day job. You know, uh, you know, counting myself very lucky to have a design in the creative field, but this is like, hey, this is fun and, and, and a great hobby to have on the side. Um, so that was where it was like, pursued it further and out of that was born like you know guardians of the galaxy which james gunn saw and that then became the official poster that went along with the um deluxe lp of the soundtrack yeah um, so early in those years and i want to think back this is probably around 20 bad with dates but this is still like 2015 2016 yeah. very very early in the progress process but i'd done a piece for um x-men days of future past there, were, there was Gardens of the Galaxy. Stuff started picking up and it was, you know, smaller projects for TV or it was, you know, these, these massive Marvel films. But, but in a very small peri- period of time, I feel, you know, my work got, you know, got picked up and got, I got to do official work for, for the studios. One of the first times I saw one of your pieces of work was for John Carpenter's The Thing. And, you know, there's so many different posters for this film and it's one of my favourites. But your take on it was very different. We had the dog eye and it like the map and the whole the whole different feel to it. And, it, you know, that that's when I started to think, who is this guy? And I wanted to check out more and more work. And then I saw more stuff for Ant-Man and um, I think it's Spider-Man. And then obviously Brightburn and... The, yeah. the standards you know you see you get the, the likes of star wars which is always a tough one to do and jaws and you seem to have really kind of done so much in such a short space of time yeah um i think one of one of the i think i've I worked tirelessly in the sense like i used to work evenings and weekends on these posters while i was still working yeah. and it worked 
towards the end of 20, 2018. Um, yeah. 20, 20, let's see, end of 2017, beginning of 2018, um, I quit my day job. It got to the point where I couldn't juggle the, the two jobs anymore, um, yeah. family life and everything else. It was a case of I can either, you know, put everything into it and, you know, start being nervous that, okay, it was one of the things like if I, if I do this as my full-time job, it's now I'm putting myself up to fail because until now it just been a hobby. And, you know, if nothing happens to it, I've got my day job and I'm progressing there. The career is going well, but then it's like, okay, I'm nervous, but it's worth, worth it's worth that risk. Let's put yeah. everything into it. I quit my day job and it was just like a, after a conversation on the weekend, it was like, I went in Monday and had my notice. Um, and then a the beginning of 2018 with my notice period, that was it. I was a freelance artist um, and I had to put everything into it. So now having the gift of time, which I'd never really had before, it was like, let's really yeah, put everything into it. Every, every, every minute, like I've structured my day. So it was a nine to five day, but the freedom that that gave me to rather than spending two hours or a day on a piece, I could spend three days and really make that piece special and, you know, have put as much time as it needed rather than yeah. okay i've got a deadline and that's like i've only got a weekend to do these things so that's i think really where my work flourished even more and the confidence really built in it i mean that's the confidence to be able to have that ability and strength to think right i'm going to quit my job that whole foundation security and regular paycheck is now no longer there it's takes some real big balls and you know as a podcaster who is only doing this as a hobby it's the dream you know to have that yeah. confidence in self-belief that you can do it i mean i admire you so much for that but my god what, what was it that triggered that what, what i know you want the time you want that but were you just at the point where you're like i've got to do it now or i never will um it's funny that i think one of the one of the pieces of mine that really you know spearheaded that was um wonder woman which was 2017 um i did this piece which was kind of like fan art for fun and it, it blew up overnight. I hate using like the term viral and stuff like that, but it, at that, you know, for those few weeks, whatever, it was everywhere. I was getting tagged by museums to like PhD history students, um, like loads of magazines and so forth. Everyone was covering that piece. Um, I think it was one of those perfect storms because it was, it was one of the first um, female directed superhero films, female led superhero films. Yeah. It was during that era where everyone was becoming a lot more aware of themselves and you know the world around us and it's like that piece summed up a lot of those things um and to myself it was like i've been drawing pieces like this for the last four to five years in my head it was like it wasn't a special piece when i was drawing it it was another piece in the in the way i draw stuff in a sense i'd like to break down a piece in a sense from where it comes from an era is there a backstory can i pull on is there is there more than just what you see on the screen in, in my work is generally, you know, what I'm trying to aim for. So it was another piece in that style, in, in that fashion. So when it hit big, it was like, okay, I'm not sure what to exactly do with this. Um, but out of, that, out of that fan art poster, like I spoke with a gallery and they said, hey, we've got the license. Would you like to make this? Within a week's period, um, we had got the piece signed off and I had got it ready for screen printing at it and it had gone on sale and it, and it did amazing numbers. So off the back of that, it was like, that gave me a foundation yeah. in a sense saying, Hey, this one piece has done this for me. Um, worst case scenario, I can always go back to work if this doesn't flourish. Yeah. But that, that was enough to say, Hey, I can make a, f a full on living from this, you know, thing that I knew it was possible anyway, but it was really was like, that was like the buffer that it gave me um, and the confidence. So let's, let's go for it. You know, 20, 2018 can only get better than this. I mean, we were only talking a couple of years ago, and then I've seen, obviously, you've worked with people like Bottleneck and um, Vice Press, yes. um, on the dead print and stuff. And to work with those guys must be an honour. Um, so kind of early into your career, if you know what I mean, as a, you know, you're now really taking it as your full-time main income and in your, your career. So it, what's it like to see those releases? I was talking to... Uh, various artists on this voice behind the artist specials and I always wonder what it's like when it comes to like a release day um, and you have that poster go up and are you just kind of panicking thinking god what happens if they only sell two or three and I, I must it must be like results day as a as a you know as a student it must be trying to find out is this going to be good enough and I just I can't imagine what it'd be like seeing it going online and hoping that it sells well and people have the reaction that you hope 
yeah um it, it is it's a nerve-wracking day it's like it's it's excitement and nervousness at the same time because you've done this piece and in, in some cases you know you, you did the piece months ago or six months ago so you, you're kind of you're removed from the piece itself um because you're always working on the next piece but then this is the bit where it kind of like is a case when it's getting marked by the teacher. Do the public like it? I can finally show everyone this thing that I, I created, you know, weeks or months ago. Um, let's see if, if everyone likes it as I do. Um, and you never know, you know, it's, there's, there's so many factors that complain to that, you know, if it's for a film, has the film done well? Have you created, like in some scenarios, is the artwork better than the film? Or has something happened that kind of like diminishes the art because of what's going on in the world? Um, is, is it the predicted day that people are getting paid? Is there something else going on? So there's so many factors, but you're like, you're just trying to boil it down. You, in your head, you're just like, okay, do people like my work or not? And that's where it kind of becomes like, you're beating yourself up if you don't do the numbers, if it doesn't sell out in the first five minutes, you know, you're really being hard on yourself. You know, touch wood, my work's generally being received well. Um, and it's really received well enough that it's like, yes, I can carry on doing this. But yeah, it's real, real nervous day. And it's like, as an artist, it's probably the hardest thing because it's like, you always say to artists, don't, don't base your work on the amount of likes you get or yeah. the amount of set, you know, that sort of thing. But it's like, this is like actually people buying it. They're people, you know, they're putting the money where the mouth is. It's hard not to like beat yourself up if a piece doesn't do well. Yeah. Um, but it's like, you, you just got to keep moving. And it's like, in, in, in the grand scheme of things, it's one piece. And, you know, yeah. in a year I might draw, to be honest, from a commercial point of view, about 60 to 100 pieces. So it's one piece that might not do as well, but there's always another piece that I think will be the better piece. And there's a lot of good artists out there, and that's why I've really enjoyed doing these podcasts and getting to hear these people. And the community seems like the strongest out there. There's never any kind of rivalry or anyone trying to kind of, you know, have something against anyone else. Every artist I've spoken to is friends with the other artists I've spoken to and they've helped each other out and they've sent each other their work and asked for advice or guidance. And it, it must be amazing to be part of such a really positive, literally anyone will do anything for anyone community. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, my career has progressed so quickly because very early in the stage is like, I got a community that you could bounce ideas off and learn off of. Um, yeah. and even now I'm like a member of a few like private Facebook group groups, which are for illustrators and artists Yeah. Uh, on a daily basis. People are like posing questions or if you found out a new trick, how to do something, you know, separate a screen print or what's the West process for doing certain things or even like from, from a commercial point of view you know contracts and so forth everyone's very eager to help each other and it's not a case of okay if he gets a job that's a job i lose yeah. it's more of a case of we're all illustrators and if the the industry is moving more towards an illustrative um, medium that helps everyone because we all want that thing to you know keep thriving and keep breathing um so yeah i think everyone's everyone generally is very friendly there's always you know minor disputes but that's people but as a whole um everyone looks looks after each other and looks out for each other and you know if if you if there's a client out there that doesn't pay you or that they're really bad to work with we'll let people know you know this is what to, to expect if you're working with someone um but yeah it's a great community you know i've i've been you know had the honor to meet a lot of artists during these years and you know we've always you know gotten really well had a drink together met about conventions and so forth and it's been great was there any of these artists? We mentioned Drew Struzman at the start when you were a kid, only eight years old, looking at his art on your wall. But was there any kind of guys that you took influence from or were you your kind of heroes when you were making this jump to become a full-time kind of artist? Um, yeah. When, when it was a case of like I knew the art world and at, um, at A-level I did some art history. So there, there's a background from that as well. So not just like um, pop culture art. So very much heavily influenced, I guess, from there was po postmodernism um, and pop art because that yeah. was like bring, bringing the world that was around you and bringing it to life in that sense, especially pop art, because it was not necessarily in a sense, the biggest events, it could be anything from a soup can to, to a paintbrush. Um, yeah. So that was something like anything can be art in that sense. Um, but when I, when I was looking more in the sense from a pop culture point of view, there was definitely Struzan, of course, because he's just like, like the godfather, like I yeah. had, had his, had his art on my wall when I, when I was eight years old. So there was that tie in sort of thing when you finally got to see, you know, the work of the years of particular, but um, people like Ansel as well. Um, 
and who are the artists? I mean, Ollie Moss played a big part because during that period when I first kind of like learned what, you know, the new pop culture art was and minimalist posters, you know, Ollie was up there on the top of his game. Yeah. Um, so even though I didn't necessarily, I'd originally know him by name, I knew the work. Um, and there was that like Noma Bar as well. You know, there's, there's clever art from that point of view, you know, double entendres with your work that you can, you know, have one image, which is a compound of many images and it kind of distills the entire movie into, into one, one scene. So there's a lot of that. And with the pieces you do, because there's such a range, obviously, if you go straight onto your website, it's full of all the movies you've done and there's some classics in there. There's more modern day films, but is this a point now where you're getting to do the art you want, you to do the design and then you hope that you can use a gallery to sell this through or your own site or are your main projects that you do for clients on a day-to-day basis? How How's the kind of mix between getting to do your own stuff and then being asked to do stuff? Um, I, I'd say like this year is, is, is quite an anomaly because, you know, not many films have come out from, but on an average year, let's say it's a good 50-50 split in a sense, getting commissioned to do work by studios or TV companies yeah. um, and then being able to do, to do my own own work from a gallery point of view. Um, they're all like great from from each aspect in a sense um, the the brief stuff is great from a studio point of view because you're working directly with the studio and it's key art in a lot of cases that'll be used in marketing and and promotion um but the stuff that's really fun i guess from from a gallery point of view is because i set my own brief it's a piece i want to create for me and i i hope it gets signed off because um licensing allows that sort of take on it but that's really stuff which is an open brief to me so that's the fun stuff i get to play around with and it's it's always like my, my whiteboard behind me has got a column to itself which is just like ideas for me that stuff yeah. i'll pick up on over time and this year from that point of view like with with covid and lockdown like the initial few months when it was really quiet it was like okay let's go back to that list and pick up all the ideas that i want i wished i had time for originally yeah and let's start ticking those off so a lot of the releases i've had this year and a few which are still saved up for next year are all the stuff that i've created during that period which are all like hey this is a great idea for for a film that i love and it's it's my take on it rather yep. than a studio's brief on it um so they're they're really rewarding from that point of view because it's it's very much me thinking of the idea thinking of the brief and kind of you know answering it myself and is there a lot of projects that don't see the day in light i mean you said they're on a whiteboard and they don't you know in i suppose with the covid as bad as it is a lot of time is given back to people to be more creative and you know it's this now is probably the best chance to get those projects done. But are there a lot that you start and just abandon because they're just not going the way you want? Yeah, that I think that always happens. It's like I there's an idea and I, and I, I can either think about that idea for weeks or months at a time or if I put it down on paper, I can see if it works. Yeah. If it works, great. But in some scenarios, it doesn't work at all. But at least that, then it's like it's put a full stop behind it and I can learn from that. You know, the worst thing to do is have an idea and procrastinate about it and always wonder what it could have been. Um, so in those scenarios, I'd rather dedicate the time, put it down on paper if it's going to be something. But sometimes, you know, there, there's always like, there's a list of, hey, this is what I did in 2020, but here's a list of stuff that never worked out. Um, yeah. For instance, I worked on, I worked on the most recent Star Wars film. Um, but I did a piece for that as part of the marketing. But as part of that, I also did four additional pieces which haven't been released and they're very much in a, in a vintage style of star Wars. Yeah. So I was really happy with those pieces. I only had a week to do four pieces. Um, so it was a massive crunch and it's like, great, I get to do this, but, and I don't want to say no to star Wars, but did those pieces in a week, they've got all signed off, but they haven't been used yet. So I, I'm sitting on these four pieces, which I'm really proud of. Um, but I, I can't show anyone and I have to wait till the client shows them. And I'm not sure if they'll ever be used in all honesty. So that's really the hardest thing. You have something created and then you don't know if people will see it. And especially when you're like quite proud of it as well, is is quite hard. I mean, the Rise of the Skywalk one was amazing. And did you expect the response you got from that online? Um, it was, I, yeah, to a degree. Because when you're looking at a, a film of that scale, it's the last of the trilogy and the last of, you know, in a sense, a nine film yeah. um, story arc. You're like, 
everyone's going to love and this is prior to the film coming out so you know you you can you can think of the what you want of the film post review and post watching it but everyone's really hyped for the film going into it so I no I'll get you know at least you know so many you know eyes on it and then it's like a percentage of that would like it or, or not um, yeah for that piece is like I wanted to go hark back and and look at like the map paintings from the early films and you know pay homage to that that was that was the idea in my head um so it's always great when you know people like or have like have those same connections as you do you try and base it on emotion or you know stuff that you know nostalgia that um that you think of or plays quite heavily um when you think of a particular property and you hope other people have those same thoughts and that's what you could try and like you know tap into when creating a piece and looking into the future, you, you are still quite early into your career, but you could never have imagined it to be the kind of response that it has been to now. And the way it blew up and getting your stuff like, I remember getting a subscriber's edition of, I think it was Empire Magazine with, yes. with Captain yeah. Marvel. Captain Marvel, yeah. I mean, that must be the goal of most kids growing up to one day be on the front of Empire Magazine. Is there a lot more goals that you want to achieve? Yeah, I, it's it's a funny thing because people always ask, oh, what property do you, do you want to work for next? Or, you know, what's your next goal? I mean, and I look back and I've been extremely lucky from that point of view. I've got to work with like some really big properties, you know, from Star Wars to Avengers, um, Marvel and, and DC properties. Um, and it's like, where where can it go now? Empire was, to be honest, a, a really big bucket list one for me. It was the yeah. end of 2018. And I was making my list for 2019 or what do I want to achieve this year? And I, I put on their um, Empire magazine. Um, and it was like a week or two weeks before Christmas. And I, I got the email from Chris from Empire, who's the art director, and said, hey, would you like to work on a cover? And I was like, I only wrote this down a week ago that I wish I had it for 2019. And it's just the tail end of 2018 and, and I get the gig. Um, so things like that, it's just like, I don't know whether you put out positive energy and it comes back to you, but... Um, there's always like a, a list of stuff to do. And one of the big things that I've been able to do this year, which was a massive tick was um, I've got to do some comic book covers for Marvel. Yeah. Um, and, and as many like film posters that I've done, that was something special because I grew up with comic books and, you know, going to the shops and, you know, and that's not so always buying the comic book, but just there and thumbing through them and looking at the cover art. Um, so that was just like anything that I think is, which is in a sense like physical media which you know you can only really appreciate when you hold it in your hand like a book cover or or, or a comic book that was just something really special so i got ticked that off this this year so going forward it's like i'm still trying to work out what the list is going to be for 2021 but i'd like i've i got to do some like production work in the last couple of years so for films that i still very early in the ideas process or in the production process. Um, so I got to do some mood boards and some um, ideation, like, you know, coming up with ideas and like um, the language, the visual language of the film. Um, so that's been really rewarding. So I'd love to do more of that in all honesty, because it's like, it's great doing movie posters and, and book covers, um, but they kind of come after the, the initial creative process is done. Like the film's made and you're reacting to someone else's product but being involved in in the main product itself and shaping that to any degree is it's it's been really rewarding so i'd love to do more of that in all honesty and a question i've asked everyone is i'm wondering how much time do you get normally to just sit there and enjoy art and it seems you're quite different in the way that you get to do it and then hope that the galleries or the clients are coming then to you once you've done the design, where some of the artists I've spoken to are literally just giving a list of clients that wanting work, they're accepting all these projects and just continuously working and never really getting time for themselves anymore. They never get to sit back and just sketch or just draw and enjoy and be passionate about it. I take it you're in a good place at the moment where you get to still do what you want to do and not just sit there and have deadline after deadline after deadline. Yeah, I think, I think this, this year has been great from that point of view, in a sense, there have been deadlines, but there's been ma massive points within the year where it's like, I, I'm looking at these self-initiated self projects and it's, it's been great. I can actually like draw and just draw for, for fun to a degree, but to be honest, it, there's always the end goal of what that piece is going to be. So I think most of my most recent releases have all been projects that I drew for fun, in all honesty. Um, but the the reception's been great, and then they've turned been turned into official gallery posters because of that. And I think you know when you can do something that's in a sense just for the passion of it, it really shows in the work, and it's not hampered by any you know brief or you know what 
someone else's expectations are of the piece. Um, so yeah, I still get to draw in a sense from like, say, non-project stuff. But to be honest, there's still a goal that, hey, it'll become official. So it's never a drawing in the purest form just just for fun. That will never be, that in my head, I'll never get used for anything else. It's always like I'm trying to learn how to do a certain process or I wish this will you know, become an unofficial piece. So I think when I was a kid, it was like, hey, I'm going to draw this because I feel like drawing something. Yeah. Um, there's always, I guess, an end goal to what it's going to be. And whether it's just learning and getting better at what I do, you know, learning 3D art as well, which has been something over the last few years. Um, there's, there's a reason for it. It's never, never 100% just fun because it's like I'm doing this in most cases six days a week. It's, it's hard to turn off from it. You're always, you're always thinking of what the next piece could be. And a lot of artists and graphic designers and people that are wanting to get into and people that want to get into the industry are listening to these podcasts. And I've seen a lot of people mail me or ask for advice. And what would you say as someone that is still making a name for themselves, but is doing it in a right way, what advice do you give to those people that want to be like you and, take that jump and become full-time and as a job do something they love so much and they're so passionate about because it's a hard industry to get in isn't it it's it's not easy to make a name for yourself yeah i, th- I think to a degree I'm, I'm very lucky that i i picked it up when i did because how big the 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 pop culture art scene is now it's it's just grown and grown over the last i would say since i started which has been probably about eight years um so i guess it's even more difficult to break in because so many young artists are producing such amazing work it's hard to get notoriety or see get your work um to have your work stand out from the crowd i guess um i mean I'm, the way i started was very organic it, it was never meant to be a career swap or anything else i just created art put it out there and the right people get to, got to see it and i still think that will work for you for most artists if you keep producing work and get better at what you do and share your work out there tag the right people to be honest because the right people notice there's been many occasions that uh, an art director has seen my work because it's been on Instagram or it's been on, you know, a third party portfolio site because they do look through and, you know, try to gain inspiration from, from seeing the arts yeah. out there. So my advice from that point of view is yes, be, be, you know, understand what the end goal is, but understand that the journey is just as important as that end goal. You, you can't kind of fast forward that journey. You need to start getting better, understand the industry and get your work to a particular level where you will get hired. Um, yeah for it and it's not necessarily and it can be from my point of view is more from a conceptual point of view I would say my my conceptual ideas were better than my art when I initially started and over the years I've slowly slowly started getting better at the execution side of things um, but my work my work stood out mainly because the concepts were, were different and bold um, so you could either go from that point of view you know the ideas are great and the art's getting there or the art's really good um and that's why it visually stands out but yeah just get your art out there and then you know there's there's um like you can get reviews from creative directors and so forth if it's if it's from like a commercial point of view you want to become an artist so you want to work in advertising and things like that or do you want to break into um, pop culture and so forth and that point of view then it's like start talking to the galleries and start tagging the galleries in your work cuz um when I when I started my 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 life from from a gallery point of view, it was Botnet Gallery that gave me that first break. In a yeah. sense, I hey, we've been liking your work for a while, but we we want to find the right property for you. And they they do a great job of like really building up an artist over time. You know, picking the right property property that works for them. You know, starting the edition size which isn't too big, so you know you feel feel better when it sells out. And then you slowly slowly build upon that momentum. So they're great from that point of view. So I really owe a lot to them. For the, you know the success that I've had over the last few years because they they've nurtured nurtured my talent. They're a nightmare. It's where all my money goes. Every time I get paid, I'm like vice press, bottleneck gallery. Like I'm the quickest person to try and get on that button when they go live, and all my money goes on this art, and it's a uh, it's a nightmare. But it must be incredible to be involved with them and see your own work up on those sites and see it sell out and have such a big response. Yeah, it's it's been it's it's really rewarding because it's you think to yourself you produce the work and you, you produce it a lot of the times in isolation. You never always see your work, especially during the early years. I never, I never saw my work outside of like the digital file that I would send off. Um, but definitely in recent, recent years when people have been sharing my art again and says, Hey, I've framed it. It's up on the wall or I've gone to galleries or I've gone to like um, conventions of so forth and people are buying the art directly from me. That's really, 
that that one-to-one connection that you can have with the person that buys your art is you know makes it all worthwhile because you know um in isolation it's great and you it's it's very self-serving from that point of view but to have someone buy your art and not just because of your name or you know they know who you are but it's like hey i just like this piece and i want it on my wall and they they're they're willing to give up a bit of their you know their home for, yeah. for something you produced is, is a great feeling it's very humbling to be honest um that someone's willing to buy something and, and put it on their wall for hopefully you know a year or two at least it's a really nice way to look at it isn't it it's part of your home is being given up for somebody else and that's really i've not always looked at it like that you know yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's a massive compliment. I think, you know, you're willing to have something that someone created and look at it in a sense every day. Um, yeah. it, it's a crazy thing to think of. And it's like just stuff I've, I've dreamt up whilst, while sitting here in the studio and people are willing to buy it in any form. It's, it's always amazing. I, I, ne- I never take that for granted. It's never like, no. Oh great. I'll do this piece and it'll sell out. I, I never know from that point of view, but you know, I get great messages a lot of the times. Oh, I love that piece or this, this piece of yours inspired me to create this piece. And those messages have been great. Um, especially students uh, out of the recent years, I've had a lot of students say, Hey, could you give me some tips on a piece I'm currently creating? I've just recently finished like a small time mentorship with, with a university student where they've worked on an end of year project and I got to be the mentor for that piece. So they're, they're, they're super rewarding things like that when you can actually give back to the industry in any way. And obviously within the industry, um, quite a lot of people are surprised by how people look um, because you artists never really publish anything to do with the way you look. So I noticed that if you ever go on any of you guys' Instagrams, it's all about your artwork and designs. And how do you find the response? Because race and age and all these things people can discriminate against and it's an industry where people don't always see the person behind the art and have you encountered any not abuse but have you encountered any way of being treated or again have you found that people have acted differently or have you ever tried to hide behind it so people don't judge you i I think very very early when I was like in, in my design career and so forth, I, I was quite aware of like, okay, I'm an Asian and even university is like, there. I think in my class, which the first year was like a hundred students, there's only five people of color in that class. So even without, you know, particularly being aware of it, it's like, you knew you stood out to a degree, um, yeah. even though, you know, every person that I've met in design has been great. Um, but I, very, I was very happy to like, in a sense, hide behind the logo and hide wow. behind the work and not put myself out there and be, try and create any type of notoriety or whatever because of the color of my skin. I wanted the art to speak for itself and it to, you know, really be, that's why people would employ me, you know, or like what I do is because of the art, not because it's sort of tokenism. Yeah. Like that. I didn't want to feel like, you know, if the color of my skin was the reason why I was getting, you know, a particular job or my work was being liked. So for many years it was just like, and it just became instilled as like, Hey, People are interested in the work. Let's put the work out there. Very easily, hap- happily, in a sense, hide behind the logo on social media. Yeah. Um, but over recent years, it's like, especially like now becoming, you know, whether it's like doing interviews or being at cons and so forth and, you know, just letting people in a little bit more, people yeah. are surprised. I would say in a positive sense, people are surprised. Oh, you're, you know, you're, you're Indian and so forth. Um, oh, I, and like some people thought I was, you know, the name can throw people whether I was female or not. So occasionally he's like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is me. It's like, not that I've been hiding who I am, but I just haven't put it out there necessarily. Um, especially in, in an industry where it's like, you know, there, there's probably a handful of, um, definitely in the West in a sense of people of color um, who work within the poster art and so forth. So it's been, especially now, you know, everyone's a bit more self-aware and representation re- is really important. Um, not just because of yourself. I mean, I, I can tell you very small stories. Like I was going, I was on my way to the airport and I caught a taxi and the taxi driver was talking away and he's talking about his daughter and his daughter's really into art. And he's just like, I don't see a future in it. The guy was saying, I was like, okay, I'm a go. I was like, he was dropping me off to the airport and I was just telling him I'm on my way to LA and I've got <laughs> 13 uh, meetings booked up in a week with all the major studios. I was like, I'm seeing Disney, I'm seeing Pixar, I'm seeing Warner Brothers. And I go, you know, I'm, I'm from the same area that you, you're from and I'm doing all this. So there's definitely a future in it. So it's great to be able to like now kind of step away and step from behind the camera in a sense and say, hey, not from a point of just trying like, no notoriety, but it's like 
for the future generations, there is a future in it. There is now a precursor for you to see that, you know, there, there's people that are making it within the industry that are of color and, you know, are from different backgrounds. So it's nice to be able to lend that hand in any way. You know, anytime that I'm in a con and I see a, like a Asian family or whatever, and it's like, they look over and there's like this nice little like nod, like there's an appreciation yeah. that I'm doing something different and I'm doing something. And when the kids come over and they love the art, it's like, you always have this conversation of how did you start off? Because we understand, especially like the age that I'm at, how hard it is to be, you know, one of the first people to, you know, in that generation of that family, one who went to university, but one chose a creative field. Um, rather than becoming a doctor or a barrister or anything like that, the, the normal conservative subjects. So like, how did you get away with that? And I was like, my parents were supportive. Having two older brothers was great from that point of view. Um, so it's, it's nice to be able to kind of represent from that point of view, just to make it easier for the, the, the generations that are growing up. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you today. And um, I, I can't wait to put this episode out. I think people are going to absolutely fall in love with it and then go and check out your work and see the designs and be like, oh, shit, I didn't realize that's him. And oh, wow, I've got that poster myself and I didn't realize or the DVD or a, a certain product with your work on. And uh, I just want to thank you for your time. It really has been an absolute pleasure from start to finish. No, thank you so much. It's, it's, always, it's always fun talking about your stuff. And, you know, it's... it's occasionally you get to like pause and like self-reflect so it's great from yeah that point of view. so there it is there's my interview with me and Dolly. and as i said at the start of today's interview what a great guy what an incredible inspiration and i loved his stories from start to finish about how he got into art and how he's mastered it he really is one of the most talented artists in the country and i urge you to go and check his work out you'll instantly want to buy the jaws print because i did the batman begins print is stunning and as I mentioned, some of his Spider-Man work is the best out there. He's so, so good, and I believe he's just getting started. I think he's got so much more to offer, and I can't wait to see where it takes him. The great thing about Dolly as well is he's donated a couple of an amazing prints. You can win these by staying tuned on my social media over the next few days. If you jump onto markandme.com, there's links to my Facebook, my Twitter, and my Instagram. I'll be posting on all those on how to be in with a chance with winning these beautiful signed artwork prints. Also, the great guys at Vice Press have stepped in. Those guys are so generous and so kind, and they haven't stopped with this. They have a set of the Cornetto Trilogy prints by Doley himself to give away. These are stunning and will look absolutely amazing framed on your wall. And if you're like me, you'll end up buying more and more prints when visiting their site. They have the best prints out there and the guys that run the company are absolute legends. So jump on their site, check them out and spend all your pocket money because you will not regret it. I'll be back again in a couple of weeks time. But what I want to do now is just let you know the podcast needs your support more than ever. I do have a Patreon page and on there you can jump on there and sponsor me for as little as a pound a month. At the moment you're getting four episodes a month for that. You're getting an opportunity to win some incredible prizes. You get the opportunity to win some exclusive t-shirts, posters, pins, you name it. I'm doing all I can to give the best prizes I can to those guys that support the podcast. And if you can't do that, well just jump onto my social media channels and share the episode. It costs nothing and makes a huge difference. Stay tuned, like I said, to my social media channels over the next few days to win some incredible prizes, and I'll be back in a week's time with a brand new episode. So until then, thanks for listening and take care. Who I am She 